I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Welcome into the Illini Inquirer podcast. And we got some actual basketball to talk about. It's exhibition basketball against an NAIA team. But hey, we're going to talk about it with Mike Latoup because we love talking hoops with him. I do want to hit on some Chicago Bulls at some point. Uh, we're doing this before the Bulls play the Knicks, which is a big game. But the 4-0 Bulls, I want to hit on with Mike Latoup as well. And we will, of course, do our VIP film room breakdown on the X-Factors. Uh, Coleman Hawkins and Austin Hutcherson, as we like to talk to them uh, or call them. But Michael Tua, 101-34 over St. Francis, about what you'd expect the number 11 team in the country to do uh, against an NAIA team. What do you do when you watch an exhibition? Like, I sat there with Derek Piper saying, I don't know what I learned today. I mean, at times you're just, you're holding many grains of salt <laughs> in your hand. Um, but, you know, there, there's certain things that you can take from it. I, I think the you try to find certain things that you can potentially extrapolate to actual trends in the season. Like what, you know, is this guy playing a role that he could play or is this, you know, I, I thought they were really smart about the way that they went about this particular exhibition. And that's really what the strategy becomes when you have two exhibitions, you know, use the first one as kind of like, let's cycle through to get everybody in, um, you know, and then you have your second exhibition. That's a lot more, and this is a, this is a tough team. Uh, that they're that they're playing here on Friday, um, and you kind of treat that second ex- exhibition game as like, okay, now let's really put in our lineups, our rotation. So there's not a ton that you can take from that exhibition game. I think as a coach, what you really want is just, hey, I want our guys playing hard. Um, that's it. And, and Trent Frazier set the tone with that, uh, so you know you'll get that from him. But I think, yeah, I don't know. I think you you saw some bright spots from guys that had some question marks next to them not necessarily question marks but hey we want to see you do it um we want to see if this is possible that you can step into these roles and i thought the two guys that you just mentioned coleman hawkins and austin hutcherson they you know i thought they did what they were supposed to do in that game uh and i thought illinois as a whole did what they were supposed to do i i I mentioned it during the game but there's no 70 point shot you know, in, in basketball, there's no 50 point shot. Like in order to build a lead like that, and this is always crucial. You talk about the Drexel game uh, in a tournament, you know, it's if you can force tough twos and you can shoot high percentage shots at the other end, like that is it. Like if you do that, and I mentioned it, like I said, during the game, like the score takes care of itself. All of a sudden you look up, you're like, oh, we're up 29 to eight um, because you're doing those things every possession. Uh, when you come out and try to hit the home run every time, that's what makes it difficult. And, and I thought they they settled in. It's unique because they hadn't played in front of a home crowd in so long. So you factor that in as well. Um, but we but we can dive into whatever you would like about this yeah. game. Obviously, I have some things that I can mention, uh, you know, from from each player and kind of how the game started. But but overall, 
handled business. And so that's what you're supposed to do against a team like that. I think this did have a lot of value in, in getting heck Curbelo in, in front of fans. I think we saw Curbelo trying to do a bit too much at times, uh, trying to entertain everybody. But I mean, Austin Hutcherson playing his first game in front of fans, Coleman Hawkins, the same thing at State Farm Center. Uh, and, and then the freshmen, I, I think for those guys, this had a lot of value. Brad did say afterwards, Mike, maybe for my veterans, I should have had a secret scrimmage. Um, for somebody who's been a part of those, what are those like? Like, what would have been the value, especially for a very good team that is going to face its first real test probably against Marquette on the road? What would have been the value of that um, compared to what uh, Friday was? I, I think there's a lot of value to it because you can really, when you have those closed-door scrimmages, and, I, and, and we did them in the past, we played Xavier, we played Dayton, um, you know, and, and and I think ultimately what you ended up finding was you could, as a coach too, and I noticed Gross would do this a little bit too. Like you can, you can truly experiment with certain things with without really the, I don't want to say risk, but there's there's outside noise or people speculating too much, or you know this guy ends up playing 20 minutes in the exhibition, but why aren't you playing him? He played really well in the exhibition. Why aren't you playing him in the season opener? And um, you can try a lot of things that way, and then you can really kind of get a barometer and get a you know get a feel for where your team is at uh, against a high major opponent uh, or against a, a really good mid-major opponent like that's that's what the benefit is uh you in those types of games you're not going to use use up a lot of your i don't know you're not going to use up a lot of your rotation you're not going to put 13 guys in there but the other things that we would do in those type of secret scrimmages was we would play an actual game like you know we play a 40 minute game and then we would you know play against each other in like situational like you know two minutes left, you know, full court pass, you know, full court inbounds, sideline inbounds, you know, late clock stuff. Like you were working with that with another team because you can get a certain look in practice every day, but there's something about practice where as an offensive player, you know exactly where the defense is going to be. So that's why guys make more shots in practice. That's why guys, you know, play better in practice because you know exactly what you're supposed to be taking away. And you can go into those spots where you know you're going to have looks. And then defensively too, you know, you can be a little bit of a better defender because you know exactly this is the guy that I guard every single day in practice. And I know that he likes to jab right and go left and try to get you on a hesitation. Like I know if I'm guarding Malcolm Hill in practice, he's going to shot fake at least once uh, if you drive it on me. So staying down and you know all those things, but when you go and play against uh, in a secret scrimmage against a high major team, like this is all new, right? Like you try to do a little bit of a scout um, and you can simulate it before having to go and play Marquette as your first one that you roll it out against. But I, I'll go back and say it. This game tomorrow is going to be. I, I'm not. I'm not saying it's going to be. Yeah, it, it's going to be a game. Like they're they're tough. Like they're a really tough team. And I think that I think that's they deliberately the staff. I think deliberately did that to where you can make you know throw guys in in that first exhibition game and the second like this is going to be a real close to a real game because this team has. D1 transfers. They were one seed in the Division II NCAA tournament two years ago. They didn't play last year due to COVID, um, but two years in a row they were one seed in the in Division II, and they're good. So I, I mean, I think this is a really now. If it was two St. Francis in a row, then you're kind of like, well, okay, what do we really have? But I think you'll get a better idea of it tomorrow. I, I want to ask you about specifics of the last exhibition, Mike. But uh, any secret scrimmage legends? That, that you had in your time at <laughs> I got one for you um I, I have a story for you uh 
and it has to do with JP Makura. So I was red shirting. So I was sitting, you know, I, I didn't, I didn't dress for that, for that scrimmage is my senior year. And I'm, I'm sitting there at the end of the bench with, you know, a few other guys. And uh, I had never been, I'd seen JP Makura play, but until you're like around him and you kind of see like, Oh man, this dude is, you know, like gator chomping at, in Madison, like doing all that stuff. Um, he, someone took a shot from the corner. I don't know who it was, but it was right by our bench. We were in like a little high school gym. Someone takes a shot from the corner and JP McCurry comes flying in and swats it off the wall. And we're, we all stood up for the three and he swats it off the wall and turns to us. He's like, sit the down. Like, you know, like, and it was just like, and then like, you know, we had, there was a scrum a couple minutes later and who's at the bottom of the pile it's jp mccura so it's just you know little things like that and then we you know we played dayton as well so that was you know that was a really high intensity game and aaron cosby went off that game people probably remember aaron cosby <laughs> um but yeah you know it's 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 funny because those types of games there's not a crowd atmosphere you know you don't have to talk on defense because it's not loud in there and, and i think these types of exhibitions against St. Francis and whatnot, like you can, you can start building habits, good or bad habits, but you're building habits. Um, and I think you saw that in the game. There were certain guys that I was really impressed with, with the way that they were communicating defensively. And Coleman Hawkins was one of those guys. Yeah. All right. So let's, let's get into this. I don't know how much we can worry about Kofi Coburn running over people. Um, they're half his size, basically. Andre Cabell, five turnovers, obviously has to clean that up. But I was really impressed with Trent Frazier. I mean, he took over the game defensively for about a five-minute stretch there. Anything about those three main guys? I mean, they're, they're three of the top 100 players in college basketball, according to CBS Sports. Uh, I, I, I had Trent as my star of the game, even though he shot three of nine. But anything that, before we get into the, the nitty-gritty that, that you thought of those yeah. guys? Yeah, I mean, let's start with Kofi. It's just, it, it almost looks like illegal. Uh, <laughs> it looks like he shouldn't, he shouldn't be out there. Um, but, you know, uh, there's not much that you can really add to it with Kofi. I mean, I thought he he was efficient. You know, he, he finished around the rim. He altered shots. He blocked shots. Like, he did exactly what the preseason Big Ten player of the year should do against a team like that in, in pretty limited minutes. So that's about as much as I'll say about Kofi because <laughs> I'm not going to sit here and just word vomit things that – weren't there like he, he played how Kofi should have played again in the minutes that he played so Curbelo you could tell like he was sped up um I think towards the end of last year you started to see more of like a controlled chaos with with Curbelo and and I thought to start off this game and you got you got fans in the stands and you know that excites him uh I didn't think St. Francis sped him up I think he sped himself up uh and he he really he missed a couple reads early that I thought he he would typically make. For example, they you know they ran a basically a high pick and roll. Kofi rolls to the rim. You know, Curbelo is snaking back towards the middle of the floor with his left hand, and Trent Frazier's on the opposite side. And the guy you're reading is Trent. And this this could be a film breakdown mm-hmm. thing. I may I may even show it. I have it pulled up. Um, the guy you're reading is Trent Frazier's guy. Okay, if Trent Frazier's guy tags in, you're hitting Trent Frazier. You know, you're not hitting Co- – I mean, like I said, a double a double team is not a mismatch for, for Kofi. It's still advantage Kofi. Um, but he had three guys there, and I thought Curbelo, he made the decision to throw it to Kofi, 
And if you're going to do that, okay, great, but you can't put it within reach of these other guys. Like, if you're going to throw it, throw it to the bottom of the backboard. Throw it high, throw it to the bottom of the backboard. He kind of lobbed it in there where other guys could get their hands on it. And I just thought it was it was an uncharacteristic mistake. And then, you know, a couple of the other turnovers that he had, and I think a couple other turnovers that Illinois had. Coleman Hawkins had one when he was dribbling up the court and threw it to Trent Frazier. Like, you want to avoid, like, those casual turnovers from being too casual. It's, it's the thing that drives me crazy with Steph. Steph Curry is my favorite player, but he'll have these turnovers where you're like, dude, you're just way too casual right now. Um, but I think for him, he needs to find that in-between. He needs to find the in-between of, like I mentioned, that controlled chaos. Because what makes him good is just you know him being let off the leash and just going – and he just needs to find that in between of like, all right. And you saw you saw some up. of the, you saw some of the great things with that too. I mean, the the pass he had down the court, to, I think it was Hutcherson, was ridiculous. Same, yeah, it's insane. He and he, and that's what he does. Like it's it was funny that he had five assists and five turnovers because his five assists were like, that's what you get from Andre Curbelo. Then the five turnovers are like, that's what you get from Andre Curbelo sometimes. So, you know, I, I think you need a game like that, and that's why it's good to have these exhibitions you need a game like that to get it out of your system you know like now now because if he was eight assists zero turnovers in that game and then he did kind of the next you know the same thing and in their next exhibition game and then you know you start playing these real division one teams and then he starts doing it and then he's got to pull himself out of it like it's good that it was just kind of right away like okay cool even against saint francis i can't get away with stuff so how am i going to get away with it in the big 10 how am i going to get away with it against these strong non-conference opponents so um but he did get a, an outside shot to fall. Um, I did see him, John, and his defender telling him to, to go over, telling him to go over the screen. Um, so you like to see those, those types of things. I, and then the other thing that I'll mention about Curbelo that I really liked was he did a much better job. Uh, there, were, there were probably two, three, maybe four instances in that game where um, he would have gotten, gotten a foul last year. Um, he would have fouled. And I'm talking – you know, his guys kind of got him on his hip and he's going to the basket, going up for a layup. And like, those were the fouls that he committed last year. And just ones that are just, you know, quick fouls that all of a sudden he's sitting on the bench with 12 minutes left in the first half. But I, I thought he was able to contest, put his hands up. I got one, one of the clips. It's, it's a Coleman Hawkins clip, but it's actually a Coleman Hawkins block. Like right when he subbed in, that Curbelo was the one that altered it by just staying vertical really getting a great contest. So I thought those were the things that, that he did really well. Um, and then you talk about being able to balance, hey, am I a scorer? Am I a, you know, am I a passer? Am I a facilitator? And he knows that, you know, you got to get – he, as a point guard, doesn't matter which one you are, you got to get guys involved to start the game, period. Like, you have to do it. Um, obviously, you're not passing up open layups to do right. that. But, you know, you got to be – how can I get – Grannis involved, Frazier involved, Kofi involved, and then you can start, you know, really focusing on how to knife guys and, and score. So, um, but you mentioned Trent; he was he was my player of the game as well. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and watching it, there's just there. I'm not sure it's particularly close. You know, he was one for six from three. You know, didn't shoot it particularly well, but I didn't really think that mattered because I think they they blew this game open just from his activity and. I mentioned Ed Reed, Darrell Revis, whoever you want to throw in there, that's that's who he was uh, in that game. And that's that's par for the course with Trent. He didn't get screened. I mean, you, like, you know that's what you're going to get from him, the consistency. And um, top 100 players in college basketball, I think, for a reason, because I think he brings a lot to the table just beyond, um, you know, beyond just 
the, the defense or just knocking down open shots. Like the energy itself, I think really propelled them to, to blow this thing open. Um, but he looked really comfortable in ball screens too. Granted, like, you know, I'll, I'll keep saying, you know, I know you're playing St. Francis, but he had command, like he was coming off those ball screens. He was making good reads and, and that's huge. Like you need that because we, I'm not sure that it's really set in stone. Like who's going to be that guy when Andre Corbello has, has foul trouble. It looks like it's the no-brainers, Trent, but you want to keep seeing those things from him to, to continue to be confident putting him in those situations. Yeah, I, I sorry to Jacob Grandison, Demonte Williams. I, I don't have a lot to break down. They looked like Demonte Williams and Jacob Grandison. Um, we saw a lot of Alfonso Plummer 20 minutes, but not a lot of activity. Two, only two or four uh, shooting. Didn't hit any threes. I'm not concerned about that. Uh, we also got our, our first look at Omar Payne. Only nine minutes in that game, which was interesting, but two or four from the floor. Uh, two blocks as well. What did you see from some of those news from those new guys, Omar Payne and Alfonso Plummer? Yeah, I'll start with Payne. I think I think Payne has a long way to go, um, which is good. I mean, you got you know you got a guy who still has three years left of eligibility, and um, be different if he was a fifth year guy that you're like, ah, like we really need you this year, and they do need him this year um, in the role that he's going to play. But you know, I, I thought he had moments where he looked a little. You know, there were probably some nerves. I think I think every guy out there had some had some nerves, but especially when you're the the transfer who's trying to kind of you know fit into the new team, and uh, you got fans in the stands who who obviously want to root for you. And uh, you know, I'll show a few clips in here as well. It's funny, like one of the Hutcherson clips was made possible because of Omar Payne. I thought his activity on the offensive glass. Um, I thought he altered a lot of shots. He did block two of them. Um, you know, I thought he was, you know, I thought he was solid for, you know, for that game. Obviously, the 15 footer didn't go as as planned. Um, I'm skeptical but, until I see him go in, Mike. That that's right. But that's exactly. fine. As, as you and I have talked about, just just be the rim runner we all know you can be. He did. He doesn't need to be, you know, he doesn't need to shoot three 15 footers every game. Um, that just doesn't need to be him. You know, like I always say, just be Javale McGee. As much as I say that, that's like a not an insulting comparison now. Like, you know, he's rebound block shots. He's, yeah, <laughs> he's a champ. Um, rebound block shots, uh, run the floor. Um, but like I said, you'll see in these clips, like he was, you know, his activity running to the rim freed up other guys. That's, that's what people don't realize about offensive rebounding. Uh, it's not just beating your guy head on and going and getting the ball. It's typically, you know, making another guy have to commit to you and oh and freeing up another guy so i thought he did a good job of that um i'm interested to see how he progresses because i do i do think that his improvement can really really be valuable to this team and then uh and then plumber it was a very plumber stat line in the sense you know forget the forget the points but no rebounds no assists no steals no blocks uh no turnovers uh, you know, that's just kind of – he kind of knows who he is. You, you, you want to get in and help out on, on the boards and whatnot. You play 20 minutes, probably want to pull down one rebound. But, you know, sometimes the ball doesn't go your way. Uh, but I did think that the shots that he took looked like good shots. I didn't think he forced anything. Um, you know, he took it within the flow of the offense, which we've seen. Sometimes he'll he'll go rogue. Um, but I thought he settled in. Like, he didn't feel the need to, to yeah. rush things or, you know – hang his jersey in the rafters in the first game um you know Hutcherson same thing I thought he was patient as well for a guy that hadn't played in a long time so you know I, all three of those guys I, I thought they were 
they were solid in their own right. And, and I think each of their progression will be pivotal for this team kind of reaching their ceiling. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, I think the two guys that we're going to focus on in the VIP foam room, so we'll have a much bigger breakdown here. Uh, the two guys I was really focused on in this game are two guys who are going to play in the rotation most likely, but we just haven't seen a lot of. Austin Hutcherson, let's start there. A nice debut. Like I, I am, I am. You and I are both kind of like, well, let, let's see, let's let him get involved. But I think you could see in that game on Friday why he was so good at the D three level, right? I mean, he's got great length, he's got a good stroke, um, he's great athleticism. So, fourteen points on seven shots, seven rebounds. I know he had a couple turns. I don't see him as the backup point guard, as as they've kind of you know experimented with here Mike but as as a long scorer that they don't have otherwise on their roster and on the wing position uh that's a nice first step for Austin Hutcherson in front of a crowd no question I I think the way that he played this game and and who cares if it's against St. Francis like you just want guys that are confident and a guy that's been out of the game for that long that's had back issues seen a few go through the hoop you know, being able to be active, get some offensive rebounds, use your length, use your athleticism. That's that's huge. And I think the staff is probably extremely happy about that because, you know, he can carry that into the next game, right? And I've seen a lot of guys in my career, you know, sometimes they get that game to start the year and it just kind of, that confidence kind of sticks with them because they see that they can do it. Um, but I thought he utilized his length really well defensively. And, and we talked about they're a team right now, you know, you look at last year, 316th in the country and enforcing turnovers. Um, you know, I know they forced whatever it was, 26 in this game. Uh, it's, it's not, you're not going to have 16 steals every game, but I thought a lot of that was a product of having more length. Like you're just, you're in the gap, you're in the passing lanes. And, and he had a few of those in the game where he, he could go and get those. And um, he looks comfortable with his outside shot. Um, yeah, I think the, the big improvement that he can make offensively, and I'll, I'll show it in the breakdown he needs to do a better job of, of handling contact around the rim. That's, I mean, I think that's, that's where my, he can really my, take his game. That's my yeah. biggest concern is the physicality of the big 10, yeah. right? Like otherwise I, the skill, the length, I think that that translates, but just that physicality he hasn't dealt with yet, except for practice. And, and not even around the rim, honestly, it's, it was around the rim just in the St. Francis game, but you talk about big 10 basketball, it's being able to deal with physicality, handling the ball. That's a whole, that's a, you know, that's a whole nother ball game when you have, really really good defenders night in and night out that are you know that are guarding you and I think he, he you know and Grant the, the beauty of it is he has the best strength coach in the country uh, bar none and and they'll they'll definitely continue to work towards that to where he can utilize um, 
you know, his body in ways that can not put him at a disadvantage because it happened a couple times in the game. And, it, and you know, he had some outside shots, but those shots around the rim, it was funny. The, the, I know he had a, a breakaway layup, but, um, or I guess a breakaway dunk, but he also had two he missed right at the rim, and then he had like a 17-foot floater. Um, and then he hit some outside shots. So uh, to put together all three levels and to be a true, you know, three-level scorer, which I think he's capable of doing, um, yeah, he just needs to be able to to, to deal with that physicality uh, around the rim. Mike, you mentioned something that I don't want to get too off, far off track, but you mentioned the best strength coach in the country, bar none. Uh, you've been around some different programs, so I'm wondering, why do you think that? Like, I hear that a lot with Adam Fletcher, but why do you think that? Uh, I think that because uh, I, I do think I have the NCAA record for most strength coaches in a career. Uh, I had three at Illinois, I had two at Wright State, so I had five. Um, and nothing against other strength coaches that I've had, but this guy is on another level. Like, and, and, and I'll, I know this is a separate tangent, but it's something that needs to be said. But I think you can look at the recruits that Brad Underwood's brought in. You can look at guys he's gotten from the transfer portal. I, you could argue that, that him retaining and keeping Adam Fletcher was one of the biggest moves that he's made since he's been at Illinois. If not, if not, in my opinion, the biggest, because what people don't realize about a strength coach, strength and conditioning coach, is that there's so much accountability that goes into strength and conditioning that you have to hold yourself accountable to in the weight room. But he's there at training table. Like he's watching what you put into your food, like what you put on your plate. Um, and if you can stack and build habits outside of the court from an accountability standpoint and continue to make the right decisions, right? Like I'm gonna do every rep. I'm gonna hold my teammate accountable to do every rep. Um, when we go to training table, like, hey, dude, get that pudding off your plate. Like, you don't need that. Go and, you know, go and get some more veggies. Go and get some more, like, you're, you're, you don't know you're doing it, but you're building habits and you're building accountability, and that all starts with him. And he does such a good job of being able to let the players, you know, he, he's not a, a dictator by any means. He has the blueprint, and it's a, it's a hell of a blueprint, and once these guys pick up on it, and part of it is seeing results for yourself. Like, you know, if you can see the results, you know that it works, you can trust it. And then the next guy that comes in, you're like, no, this is what we do. Um, and you hold them accountable to it. Like I, he, I, I always say, you know, Adam Fletcher changed my life. Hmm. Um, and, and I say that in a way that's, he makes you look at a, just a different way of attacking the weight room, attacking nutrition, attacking your fitness, um, you know, the, the habits that you build from being around him, it's the reason why, you know, I, my playing weight that I played at when I was at Illinois in 2016, I'm the same exact weight today. Like, I ha it hasn't changed because I know from a nutrition standpoint, like, this is lifelong stuff. Right. Like, lifelong stuff. The way that you can prioritize eating healthy, prioritizing getting the most out of yourself – from a fitness standpoint and you see it all the time like i saw it because i had you know the result the results you went into the weight room and and you were able to it was me and kipper that were redshirting that year and we were just we lived in there and you start it starts to become addicting mm -hmm. um and like i said he's not a dictator um but he just he has a good blend of you respect the heck out of him and then the other side of it too is like Man, he, he empowers you to truly lift up your teammates 
and you enter that weight room and it is clear what you need to get done. Like there aren't shortcuts. Uh, and, And I could go, I mean, I could go on and on about this guy, but he truly, I say he changed my life because the habits that he instilled in me are things that I can carry, you know, I can go and work on a ball screen and how I come off of it and hit somebody like that's typically for my basketball career. But the things that he taught, that he taught me, and taught all of us, I think, is it's lifelong stuff. That's cool. No, thanks for sharing that, man. Uh, let's get to Coleman Hawkins now because uh, uh, Fletch is working with him a lot, and you can tell he's gained a little bit of strength. Still long. I don't think he'll ever be a, a jacked-up guy. But um, Coleman, I, I thought in the press conference was really impressive, Mike, because he talked about I had to take a 1,000 shots for one shot that I'm going to get in the game. And he knows, like – he knows what his role is going to be on this team. And it's to be that compliment to Kofi and, and to, you know, find uh, a complimentary role on this team, not be the star right away. Maybe that's his role in junior, senior year. Um, but I thought he had a really good performance, 13 points, four or six from the field, five rebounds, two blocks. I mean, we talk about the defensive versatility, like with Austin Hutcherson, some physicality. I, I'm interested to see how he deals with when he gets there. But I thought that was a pretty encouraging performance by Coleman. What do you think? In 12 minutes. Um, which is (laughs) crazy efficient. I I mentioned like the two things that I took away was just the efficiency and how vocal he was. Um, You know, you can, you can see in a lot of the clips and I I went back and even just watching the game and you noticed it in real time, he's talking defensively, he's pointing, he's pointing offensively. I mean, there's a certain action that they run where he's the, he's the one that ends up getting a little down screen and he's pointing to tell the guy to come screen and, and that sounds very trivial, but you know, there's there's guys that aren't vocal, and part of it is because I was a freshman, I'm a sophomore. Like uh, we got older guys, we got a really experienced team. You know, he's one of the younger guys that's in the rotation. Uh, you know, and that's a big deal to to have because if you're vocal, you're confident. You know, you're just you're confident, and and I think too, you mentioned thousand shots to take one potentially. He took that first shot from three like he was going to get another one if that and we talked about in the last podcast like the the low volume guy like how much weight you end up putting into each shot i mean the dude ripped it from 27 feet like on his first catch which was it like the best was it was it the best shot in the world during that offensive possession probably not but he shot it with confidence and that's the thing as a coach it's like okay if you're gonna if you're gonna rip one off like that you better shoot it confidently and he was doing the Jordan shrug down the, down the court. But I, I really liked similar to, similar to Hutch. He, he really used his length. Well, um, you know, he blocked some shots. He, you know, he was, um, but I think he can do it even more. I think oftentimes, and I'll show this in the clips, but um, Kofi has a knack of when he's on defense, he still has his arms out. And even if he's off the ball, like he's, his arms are still out. And there's something to that where if you can get guys who are all in a stance, who all have their arms out, it, sh- it just shrinks the floor visually. Like it shrinks the floor. And does it play like mind games with the offense? It does. Like it yeah. does. Like you just gaps that you think are there aren't, you know, that you think were there aren't really there. They may be there, but with, with all the length, it just, it really does shrink the court. And I think he, he had moments in that game where he just has his hands by his side, you know, and he's, looking around and, and then the other thing that I think he can improve on especially if he's going to play with Kofi if he's going to play with Kofi he's typically going to be guarding on the perimeter if there's another team you know another team's four that can stretch it 
And if that's the case, you can't stand straight up defensively. You'll get, you're a screening magnet. Um, and, and he got away with it against St. Francis because, you know, some guy that's coming to set a cross screen on, you know, in the, in the post, you know, next time that's going to be a Travion Williams. That's going to be, you know, one of these bigger guys. And like, you're going to get labeled if you're not in a stance. Um, so I think he, and it's funny in this game too, it's, he can stand straight up and a guy drives and he can just jump and swat it, but it's not always going to be that way. So I think he can even take it to another level where he's always in a stance defensively. He's always got his, his hands out. And I'm not saying you have to like, you're not like the St. Joe's mascot that has to flap his wings the entire game, but you know, you're, you had, you're at least using your length. Um, Cause it's funny when, when he looks, <laughs> I keep forgetting he's 6'10". Right. You know what I mean? Like, and I, I was talking to somebody the other day about this, but like him and Luke Goody, you know, when they're on the perimeter, I'm like, God, you know, I wish they would have quicker feet, you know, like they need to move better on the perimeter. And then I think I'm like, well, he's 6'10", and he's 6'7". So like, I mean, you know, or 6'8", or however tall Goody is. Um, so you try to give him a pass for that. But but part of that is being able to use your length. I mean, I always, I always try to make the, the comparison. If, if Coleman Hawkins is going to guard on the perimeter – right do yourself a favor in terms of not being able to get beat off the dribble and the way you can do that and i'll try to demonstrate it good thing this is in video form um but if i have a 610 you know if i'm 610 and coleman hawkins looks like he has a seven foot plus wingspan um imagine guarding somebody right and if you you know if i have a seven foot wingspan i stick my arm out you know it's it's it gives you so much more space to be able to make up the room where if they drive on you. Me, I was 5'11", 6 foot with like a 5'11", 6 foot wingspan. So me getting into you with my hand out, I am so close. Yep. So the margin for error if somebody drives, like typically it's not, you know, if, if a smaller guy gets beat off the dribble, it's not always because they have like slower feet or they have, it's because they have to get, in order to honor the shot, you have to get so much closer and it gives you less angles to to be able to cut your man off. So you really have to be able to have activity. And Coleman Hawkins has the 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 gift of having both. So like, although his feet aren't the quickest defensively, he makes up for that by being able to to use his wingspan to be there on the shot and also give himself some space to recover if they do drive. Yeah. So that's that's ways that he can utilize that length, and I think it's going to come in handy for him. Yeah. Good stuff. Um, all right, let's uh, before we wrap up here, Mike. I, I do want to hit on the Bulls here in a second. Uh, the true freshman, anything stand out? I mean, Brandon Podjemski played 13 minutes, uh, did hit uh, one of his threes. Luke Goody just one shot up, had three rebounds. I thought that was encouraging. Uh, and then RJ Melendez, man. If we got a BBV BBV award, it goes to RJ Melendez with a lot of points there and uh, late in the game. But uh, anything stick out uh, with those three true freshmen? Yeah, well, it's, it's funny if you look at the if you look at the stat sheet. I think the guy that that to me is probably in line to to see some minutes just because of how really steady he is, is is Luke Goody. I mean, I think what he had he had the one shot, um, I think two points or whatever it was. Uh, you know, he's just he's very solid. You know, you look at him defensively; he's always in the right spot. Um, yeah, I think I think Brad got on him. Brad got on him one time. Uh, because he had a guy kind of back him down and, and score right over him. Uh, but that's for all those freshmen. I think all of them can, can you know, improve their physicality. Um, 
I, I Podjemski, I'll, I'll mention him just because I thought for a freshman coming in who was a very decorated high school scorer, um, Wisconsin Mr. Basketball, Gatorade Player of the Year, uh, I love the little things that he did. He took a charge, slid over, took a charge, dove, you know, dove on the loose ball. I thought for a second I was watching Brad Davison. Um, <laughs> but, but for him, like, I, you know, down the road, you know, I don't know what his trajectory is, but you can always bring that stuff. Um, you know, and, and coaches always like those, those kinds of things that you can do. So, you know, he's, he's willing to get on the floor. He's willing to sacrifice his body, and, and every team needs a guy like that. But I, I really did think – I thought Goody was really solid. Melendez – came in kind of looked like a baby deer at times um but the physicality thing with him too i mean even the shot that he made off the free throw block out like like he was falling over and like just kind of threw it off the glass like it wasn't necessarily like a strong finish but but credit the kid i mean you come out in your first game you don't play basically in the whole first half um and you make an impact in, in limited minutes so uh, i think all three guys showed something different and, and there are things that are, are translatable maybe not this year but but certainly down the road there's there's things that you can build on there oh what are the things you want to see against as you said better competition d2 uh, heavyweight here with indiana pa uh what are the things you want to see coming out of this i'm interested to see kind of how they they mix and match these lineups yeah. you know last you know it was really like hockey shifts last game trying to get guys in like this is going to be much more like a like a normal game so seeing, you know, what those different, uh, I guess, mixes of lineups are. I mean, well, what does it look like with Coleman Hawkins at the five? What does it look like, you know, if you are you probably don't play Kofi and Omar together, uh, but if that does happen, you know, what does that look like? Uh, but you want to see this the same level of of energy. I mean, everybody should feed off of Trent Frazier because you know he's going to bring it in this game too. Uh, I, I think if you look for Andre Curbelo, I would be shocked um, – I would be shocked if he gets up to five turnovers again. I think he's just going to be more – it's not even safe with the ball, but just I thought a lot of his turnovers in that game just came from indecision. Um, so being more decisive. Like, if you're going to do it, do it. Because um, sometimes being casual, like I said, can can end up leading to those to those turnovers. But, you know, I, I, I really want to see how they, you know, how they handle a team like this, a team that they're playing against. That, you know, this isn't – not playing against Michigan you know this isn't like there's this is Indiana PA and um you got to get up for this game like you have to and and the reason you get up for this game is because it's your next game um that's that's just that just has to be non-negotiable so this this first group whoever they roll out there and start whether it's the same group or, or they mix it up like that you have to show and impose your will in that first five minutes we talked about it I know we talked about it last year but if you give this team the idea in the first five to ten minutes that they they can hang, they'll hang. They're that good. Um, this is a really really good. I I don't think you could schedule a better exhibition game um, because there's a lot of guys on this team that that would be making an impact at a lot of Division One schools. They just happen to play for arguably one of the best Division Two schools in the country. So I, I think it'll say a lot about this. You know, this team's maturity uh, in a game like this. Because let's let's be honest, like this doesn't go against your resume. Right. This doesn't, you know, you drop this game. All right, cool. Now we got we go to our season opener. Like, do you, like where, where's your what's your pride level at? Um, can you truly treat it like this is Loyola? Can you truly treat us like this is the round of thirty-two? Like this is 
you know, a big game. Uh, and that's kind of the, the, those are the main things that, that I'll be looking for. And that's why I love having Trent Frazier back if I'm Illinois. Um, because, you know, like Kofi's fun loving guy, Andre Cabello, I think is always trying to entertain people and Hey, he's a great basketball player doing it, but to have that veteran and DeMonte there and, and even Jacob Grandison, I think, I think is huge for this team. All right, Mike, before I let you go, we're recording this before their game against the Knicks. So maybe some people, uh, maybe, uh, Tom Thibodeau and, and the Knicks give the Bulls their first loss of the season, but four and oh there's maybe a little bit of paper lion thing here with the schedule they've played which hasn't been very difficult no zion in the pelicans the detroit pistons don't even have Cade cunningham um so it, it had in toronto didn't have pascal siakam so but uh it is encouraging to see a bulls team beat bad teams uh, even yeah. if toronto was, was a difficult one but most importantly mike i'm just happy to see like a roster that fits each other. Like I, and, and I'm enjoying watching Alex Caruso and Alonzo Ball, just really good basketball players. Zach Levine kind of bounce off of that. Uh, Zach Levine have some help as a scorer from DeMar DeRozan. This isn't a championship team, but man, it's just, it's a professional contending NBA team. And it's just been so long since we've seen that. Yeah. And, and I think that the two parts of it that you can say, yeah, of course, hasn't been the, you know, the best schedule in the world um, in terms of strength of schedule. But to your point, good teams win those games, right? And and great teams can sustain that for a season, but good teams win those games. And I, I look at this team and, you know, they won two of these relatively convincingly, should have put away Toronto earlier mm-hmm. um, and made that probably a double-digit game. Um but like I said, they've won the games that they've supposed to win. And how fitting to have this, you know, conversation. You you find out tonight and you look ahead yeah. and you want to talk about a 12-game stretch from hell. Uh, if you want to know where the Chicago Bulls are at right now when it comes to the top teams in the league, just stay tuned for the next three weeks. Yeah. Um, you know, I think they go – they got the Knicks tonight – they got you know the Jazz this weekend, and then they you know then they go Boston, then they go Philly twice, then they go Brooklyn, then they go Mavs, and then you think okay wow that's a rough stretch let's come up for a breath of air here. No, you're heading out west for the West road trip. You're playing the Warriors, you're playing the Clippers, Lakers, Blazers, Nuggets. Like those are your next twelve games. Yeah. Like notice in 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 that like there's not one team that you're like all right cool we can. We can take a breath tonight. So, yeah, I think if you can even split, like I think if you can go six and six oh, yeah. over these next twelve games, like that's that's a win. You sit there at whatever you would be ten and six, because um, that's really the barometer right now. Is okay, you're beating the you're beating the less than average teams, but where do you really stack up? Uh, you know, with these other teams, and, and you mentioned I, Demar Derozan's the biggest acquisition from a dollar standpoint this offseason but Lonzo Ball and Alex Caruso are the biggest acquisitions from a from a team standpoint I don't think there's any question about that you look at you know look at Alex Caruso and I think everybody wants to kind of throw him into like the Scalabrini like you know like that's that's kind of how social media because he's a he's a bald white guy right (laughs) yeah like like everybody's got the nicknames for him and but this dude is this dude is a major reason why the Lakers won their title a few years back in the bubble um major reason for it and and he shoots it well you know he was about 40 he was 40 percent last year like he's they've added pieces to this team that like you said really complement each other and 
you know, I know they're leading the league right now in the three-point percentage, and they're leading the league right now in free throw percentage. But they're shooting the ball extremely well, um, which is kind of ironic because Vooch somewhat isn't. Yeah. Vooch has been kind of inefficient. DeRozan's been inefficient um, in some areas, but I think there's a lot of room to grow, and I can't say enough about Lonzo Ball. I mean, you want to so talk – the dichotomy between knowing who LeVar Ball is, like when we first saw LeVar Ball – you wouldn't think that this is how his kid would play, if that makes any sense. And, and for all the noise, and hey, he deserves criticism for like all the the stunts he did. But it was great PR for him and and his family, right? Um, his kids know how to play ball. Like they, I mean, Lamelo knows how to play ball, and and Lonzo is just. I don't understand how the Pelicans let him walk away. Um, I don't know why the Lakers. I guess it's LeBron does what he wants, but they just let him go. Um, and I know they got Anthony Davis back, right? So it worked out for him. But Alonzo's a heck of a, a, a basketball player. I don't know if he's ever going to be an all-star, Mike, because he might not score enough for that. But he's as valuable as an all-star. I, I agree. I think when you watch him, and when I first watched him at UCLA, <clears throat> the reason I really loved watching him is because he always makes the right play. Always makes the right play. And you can't, you can't say enough about that. And I think for him – <clears throat> to really hit his ceiling being around really good teams or being on really good teams and having guys that you can play off of that know how to play the game. I think him and Caruso, you know, you can stagger their minutes, you can play them together. And I think what they bring both offensively and defensively, you know, that's, that's what's really going to be the, the secret sauce for this team. Uh, just before I let you go, most people just want to know about Io. Played two games so far. Looks like he's about the 10th man here, right? And, and when Kobe White comes back, maybe he has a, a G League stint. But, no, I, I actually talked to Brad Underwood, and I told him after Friday's game, I said, hey, Io got 11 minutes. And he said the best thing is not only does Billy Donovan love him, but Zach Levine and DeMar DeRozan love him. And those are two guys outside of the front office that have the, the most job uh, security there. Well, look at how the, the league works now. Um, you know, it's a, it is a player-run league, and it has really turned that way. So if you can, you know, get in the good graces of guys that are cornerstones of a franchise, like, they'll vouch for you, and front offices listen. So I think he's still going to spend time in, in, uh, for the Windy City Bulls. I think it'll be really good for him, honestly. But I, I, I do like to see – it's really, really encouraging to see how he's somewhat – you know, you just see his activity and defensively, he truly is playing a little bit of a different role. He's obviously playing a different role than he played at Illinois, but he's he's playing a different style of basketball. Iowa is like him, himself. Like he's if, not, if I had to he, nitpick about him in college at times, I thought he could have been a, an elite defender. Like I, I never yeah. thought he was quite an elite defender. Like Trent locks in on that end. I get it. Iowa's got to carry a huge offensive load, but I was like, man, there's times I feel like he could be locked in a little bit more. He is in the NBA because he knows – that's that's his path to success it's sink or swim yeah i mean it's, it's do or die for him basically i mean if, if you can't be a solid defender in the nba you, you already know you got off you got options offensively right. you know you can go all down the list levine vooch DeRozan, you know lonzo ball patrick williams like you can really go on down the list like what is your value and i think he's he's started to find that a little bit and he's he's found it earlier than i honestly anticipated him finding it but that's what happens like before these before these G League teams really start their season, like this is how it typically works. These guys that are either two way guys or nine, or you know, and back end of the bench guys, you know, they'll play in these initial games, and it's good to get a few under your belt because I think he'll be, he'll probably head down to, 
Hoffman Estates, wherever or whatever they're, they're playing uh, for the Windy City Bulls. And I, and I think, like I said, the G League has been so good at being able to develop talent. I know that's what it's there for, but there's been a ton of guys that have been successful in just kind of, you know, being able to to work on their craft and play a little bit more of their game. And then when they come back up, you know, Terrence Mann's one of those guys. You know, there's a lot of guys in this in this league that have that have really really done well going from the G League and and kind of honing in on their craft. Kendrick Nunn, I mean, another guy. Um, you know, it, it can be really really beneficial. So I'm interested to see kind of how they how they play that and kind of how they utilize him before he potentially goes down there. Uh, but, but obviously from, you know, from a team that's four and Oh, I mean, it's not like he's playing for a team that's and four right. and has gotten some minutes here and there. Like he's playing on, on one of the last, you know, three undefeated teams in the NBA. And how about shout out Georgie Pashanishvili, uh, the grand Rapids gold, uh, making that exact, you know, the workouts, people loved him and we know the energy he brings and, uh, maybe defensively he's just so active, Mike, but uh, I, I didn't expect him to be in the G League, and, and kudos to Georgie for being there. Yeah, I, I don't know if you saw yesterday the the Grand Rapids Gold uh, put out kind of like their, I don't know, they they unveiled their jerseys, yeah. they did all this, and it was it was three guys that were the, the face of that unveiling, and it was Georgie, Lance Stevenson, and Nick Stauskas. What a world. You know, I, I think he's... He's a guy that, you know, he's got good length. He's, he's a solid athlete. You know, he, he's, he's vocal. He, you know, he, he's a guy that, that progressed in terms of his ball screen defense. Um, you know, he, he stepped out. He made some shots last year. You know, I think, he, I think he's going to be solid in the G League. And clearly they, they think enough of him to, uh, to make him the face of, you know, one of the faces of their, of their new franchise, Jason Terry, head coach. Yeah. Like, it's, it's, it's a really, really – unique group of guys they got over there he's gonna he's gonna love it like and he's gonna be a dream for their marketing department like he's just gonna be one of those guys like i remember growing up watching the uh who was it the chicago wolves hockey team and like steve maltese was like this star and like he, people thought he was good enough to play in the nhl but he was just like this star in the, in, in that league and uh i just think see georgie having a good time uh and maybe eventually goes overseas and and makes some some more bank but that's not a bad start for him michael tulip as always we'll have our film breakdown if you want to see more on coleman hawkins and austin hutcherson mike uh, is great at all these breakdowns but mike we'll talk to you on the podcast next week appreciate it man all right man thank you Great stuff from Michael Tulip. He is the goods, and it is great to have him on board here at Illini Inquirer so he can do something regularly uh, because, man, he just brings the knowledge just like Jay Lehman does for us on the football side. So uh, definitely get to our VIP side and check out the basketball breakdown that he did of Austin Hutcherson and Coleman Hawkins. That should be up late Thursday, early Friday for you to check out. I, I know they can be long for people to watch, um, but uh, spend some time with it. I think people that spend some time with it, if you find the time, uh, will really enjoy it. I learn something new every time. And whether it was Mike going through horn sets, uh, Mike pointing out little things that we just don't notice that uh, a former basketball player or coach and uh, they just notice uh, as they're watching the game as they go over the film breakdown. Um, so I just learned something every new from Jay and, and Michael Tulip, and uh, hopefully you guys enjoyed learning that stuff too because it just uh, makes you appreciate the game a little bit more. It's a, it's a lot more intricate, and, and there's a lot more going on on the court or on the field 
than maybe just what we're following with our own eyes. Appreciate Mike's time as always. Check out the uh, VIP film breakdown once I'm able to upload that. And that should be, again, late Thursday night, early Friday morning. And check out all of Derek Piper's latest on Illinois basketball. He's been counting down the most important Illini for the 21-22 season. Just put Omar Payne and Alfonso Plummer up there. So Coleman Hawkins, we haven't hit yet. Um, and he did go through Austin Hutcherson at number nine. I think that could rise by the end of the year uh, if he continues to gain some confidence and, and continues to be able to show he can play through some physicality. But uh, it's been a fun series for him to do that. And, of course, you'll get into your your normal guys uh, that we're used to seeing out there on the court that uh, give this team such a high ceiling. Joy Wagner's got a great piece coming up as well on Sincere Harris. He was able to meet up with the Illini basketball commit and learn a lot more about him. And uh, I think Joey does a really good job of painting that picture. So be on the lookout for that as well. And of course, we have a busy weekend of coverage with Illini basketball Friday night against Indiana PA in that exhibition as well as Illinois football trying to make it two Big Ten wins in a row that could make the end of this season very, very interesting. It's an 11 a.m. kickoff against Rutgers. Of course, stay tuned to this podcast. We'll be doing our post-game podcast for both of those uh, that uh, you can hang out with us on the weekend and and get our takes all our hot takes on, on all the Illinois action this weekend should be a fun one should be a busy one we appreciate your support as always give us a follow wherever you get your podcast if you haven't already give us a rating and review as well we appreciate that and, and go ahead and go on YouTube and give us a, a follow as well we're putting up a lot of interviews on there put up a lot of the video podcast if you enjoy the video podcast a little bit more you can check that out as well I don't know why you want to see my face but maybe enjoy uh, Jay Lehman and seeing Michael Tulip and all their gesticulations uh, as we talk about Illini athletics here. But I appreciate your guys' support in whichever way you give it. And as always, VIP membership is the best way to do that. And I think especially with Mike and Jay doing these video breakdowns, uh, it's never been more worthwhile. So $1 for your first month if you want to check that out. All right, everybody have a great day. Take care of each other. And we will talk to you next time right here on the Illini Inquirer podcast. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.